Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where tour players, legends, and the top instructors in the game share their stories, insights, and playing lessons. Join Chris every week as he talks with the greats of the game. You are the smartest guy I've spoken to on radio or television in my career. And Chris, again, you are, you're knocking out of the park. You're like eight under par in this interview. By having any research, I'm hiring your tail to be the research, man. You're the best. You're a fantastic host and tremendously respected in the golf community. Yeah, Chris, you do an amazing job and your listeners are super lucky to have you and it's always my pleasure. Chris Garrow is the king of the golf podcast. Don't miss him on Tuesdays. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Hello, folks, and thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Next on the Tee. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro. I am back, fresh off a fantastic few days at the PGA Merchandise Show down in Orlando. Had such an amazing time. Finally got to meet so many of my guests actually in person, which was wonderful. Also saw a lot of great new technology on the equipment and GPS sides of the game. One that really stuck out to me, folks, is a company called Up Game Golf. Go out and check them out online, upgamegolf.com. They're doing incredible things with capturing where you hit the ball, where your intended target was, how far off you were. It also captures the weather conditions for that day. And not only do you get that data, you can then overlay it onto just about any course in the world. So think about if you're a tour player, somebody plays tournaments in different parts of the state or different parts of the country, you're headed to the next tournament. You overlay their data onto the course that you're going to be playing, and you already know what target you need to be looking for and aiming at and what club to hit. So imagine you're looking at your previous round. There was a 570-yard par 5 hole on that course. The course you're headed to has a 595-yard par 5. The last one was relatively straight. This next one has trees that maybe jet out a little bit into the fairway that you're going to want to hit around. On the last course, you aimed it here, it went there. That means on this course, I need to aim it over here so it's going to land there. I mean, it's truly amazing stuff he demonstrated, showed me overlaying some data onto Augusta National. How great is that? So, boy, these uh, tournament players, they can print out this information, stick it in their notepad, put it in their back pocket, take it out on the golf course with them, and they already have a wealth of information on top of, what the caddy is going to give to them. And if you're just a player that's out there playing tournaments and you don't have a caddy, boy, this is really going to help you. This is fantastic stuff. Anyway, just one example of the many great things that I got to see last week. All right, on to tonight's show. My first guest this week is going to be Keith Jarvis. Keith is a Golf Academy lead instructor. He's done several great segments for the Golf Channel. He's also worked with Hank Haney. We're going to get deep into track man and things like Smash Factor and Spin Race, what they mean what good numbers are, and why he is such a big proponent of teeing it lower on your drive. Look forward to that conversation. Keith is going to join me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to be joined by one of the most sought-after people in our game, and that is Terry Hashimoto. Terry is in the Manitoba Golf Hall of Fame, played collegiately at the University of Miami at the same time as our good friend Cindy Miller. I got to see both of them when we were down at the Merchandise Show. I'm going to talk with Terry about why playing golf is so great for people that are rehabbing from a concussion. Very interesting discussion about why that is the case, but it's fantastic. 
Terry is also the guy who started Body Track Golf, so we're going to talk about proper weight distribution and why all the great players had 80% plus of their weight transferred already to their lead side by the time they got to the top of their backswing. A lot to get into with Terry tonight. He's going to join me about 25 minutes from now. Following him, I'm going to get a long overdue return visit from the top movement skills coordinator in all of sports, and that is Catherine Roberts. Catherine is a yoga expert. She's entering her 10th season working with the Chicago Cubs. She's also an expert in ground reaction forces, so building strength and speed by using the ground. We're going to talk about strengthening our feet and our ankles. Goodness knows I need that now with you know right ankle surgery, just not that far in the rearview mirror. Plus, I'm going to get some tips for her to how we can properly stretch before we go play a round of golf so it isn't the fourth hole by the time we actually start playing well. Looking forward to having her back as part of the show. She'll join me later on in this hour. Then in an unusual spot, batting cleanup this week is going to be Tom Patrick. TP and I will talk about yet another Rory McIlroy about face regarding Liv. Now he's saying the guy should be allowed back on the PGA Tour if they want to come back. No repercussions at all if they do. I'll also get TP's memories of working with Jackie Burke Jr., who unfortunately we lost uh, here just recently. Plus, we'll talk Nick Dunlap and Nellie Cordes' great comeback victory last week over Lydia Ko in a playoff on the LPGA Tour. TP is going to join me about an hour from now. So, so much great stuff on tap for you this week here on Next on the T. And as always, thank you all so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me this week. Before we get started, and like I've been saying to you guys for the last several months, our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry, and I have been working with a company called Kickpoint, and they have done some magical things with our logos and created some polo shirts with some wonderful designs where they take our logos and turn them into designs on a polo shirt. They're absolutely outstanding. Kickpoint Golf is a private label custom golf apparel company making bespoke polo shirts, quarter zips, and hoodies for those selected clubs looking to take their branded game to a whole new level. If you want to check out their apparel, and again, it's going to knock your socks off, send an email to info at kickpointgolf.com. They'll get right back to you. There's no middleman. They're going to go right to the guys that do this work. You're going to check it out, and you are really going to love what they do. I'm going to start showing the uh, polo shirts that they designed for me on my Instagram, at CT Mascaro. Check them out there so you can get a sample of what they look like. These guys know where it's at. Now let's talk about golf getaways and buddies trip locations. When you're thinking about that, think about our friends over at the McLemore, which is a wonderful resort located just south of Chattanooga, Tennessee, high atop Lookout Mountain. It is a casual two-hour drive from Atlanta, Nashville, and Birmingham. The existing Highlands course is now ranked in the top 100 courses you can play in the U.S. by Golf Digest. The 18th hole is ranked in the top 10 finishing holes in the world. A second course, the Keep, is under construction and will open summer of 2024. The Keep is a Bill Bergen Reese Jones design and features a mile and a half of dramatic cliff edge, with every inch of that edge filled up with a golf hole. A world-class hotel, Cloudland Lookout Mountain Curio Collection by Hilton, will open spring of 2024. Both have incredible views into historic McLemore Cove, 1,200 feet below. You got to see it to believe it, folks. Stay, dine, and play golf above the clouds at McLemore. Go online to McLemore.com to book your stay and play package. Now let's talk about the new P790 irons from TaylorMade. From the very beginning, P790 irons have been rooted in clean aesthetics and thoughtful design. However, their true beauty 
is found beneath the surface. With AI-optimized weighting and speed foam air on the inside, every iron is uniquely designed to perform exactly how you need it to. As striking as they are on the outside, their true beauty lies within. Learn more about the new P790 irons from TaylorMade by checking out their website at TaylorMadeGolf.com. Okay, now back and next on the tee with me is Keith Jarvis. Keith has been a teaching professional and a playing career that spans well over 30 years now. He has taught here in the U.S., plus over in Japan and in Mexico. He was a lead instructor for ESPN's golf schools back in 2006 when Hank Haney was the dean of instruction. He's taken lessons from Hank and attended his teach the teacher sessions. He hosted a golf school here in Atlanta, along with Andy Plummer and Mike Bennett, who are the founders of the stack and tilt swing philosophy. Keith was a head golf pro and a director of instruction at the Heritage Golf Club here in Atlanta. He is a Golf Channel Academy lead instructor up in New Jersey now. He is also a certified U.S. kids coach. And I couldn't be more excited. I get to have him finally back with me here on Next on the T. Hey, Keith, how are you, my friend? Hey, Chris. Thanks so much for having me back. It's uh, I've, I'm so looking forward to it, man. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a minute. So catch us up a little bit. What, what have you been up to, my friend? So I've been up to a lot of mental training and a lot of Vision 54 training. Um, you know, I've... I've I fell into this fluid motion factor thing. Um, gosh, it's been several years ago now, but um, I went through a lot of the training that uh, Steve had online and I've been talking to him a lot, you know, and I'm coaching a kid in Virginia that just won his back-to-back uh, -back third state championship. I don't know, is that, is that back-to-back? -back? Is that only two? Maybe it's back-to-back-to-back. -to -back -to -back. Third state championship and... um we all talk a lot. I've got uh, some really good juniors up here. Um, uh, this girl I've been coaching for a year went from a scoring average of 48 to 41 and shot 339s in tournaments and um, got top 20 Bergen County. So we're doing good with the juniors and we're doing good with others. You know, we got back-to-back -back club championships, back-to-back member-member championships, um, a lot of different things. You know, I try to do the best I can. But the mental thing for me, like, I don't ever want to teach mechanics again. This is, this is what I would tell. This is what I would tell somebody. If you can learn to take a divot in front of the ball, and anybody can learn that, <clears throat> it's the number one differentiator between good players and bad players. I can take what you have, teach you to do that, so your ball striking, like, goes off the charts. And then after that, it's, it's just really about controlling the curve. If you're if you're a slicer, you got to close the face more because you're swinging it. If you're right-handed, if you're swinging it to the left, you got to close the face more so every ball starts to the right. If you're if you're a um, if you're somebody that hooks it too much, your path is probably more to the right. So you got to open the face a little bit more and get the ball start out to the right. Look, this is the this is the big deal about curve, which I think a lot of people still don't understand to this day. There's too much difference between the path and the face. And look, I did I did a video on this on the Golf Channel in, in the studio. And I said, look, you got you to match up the face to the path. So if you're a left swinger and you're consistently a left swinger, you're never going to be a draw drawer of the ball. Not, not, not unless it's going to take a couple of years. Look, I'm a draw expert, thanks to Hank and Andy Plummer and Mike Bennett. Like, that's what we do. Like, we teach people to draw the ball. You know, I think we talked about this. I think 
Andy and Mike said, if they're, um, if all the golf instruction books and all the golf videos taught people to keep their weight more forward, swing the club more around them instead of up and down, you'd have all the golfers drawing the ball instead of slicing the ball. And that goes back to, um, you know, I heard Andy say one time, people, people are either learning the wrong information or learning the right information in the wrong order, right? So what does it take to take somebody from nothing to getting every ball in the air, number one? That's number one. You can't play this game, this game when you're hitting toppers and you can't hit it far. When you're chunking, you can't hit it far. You've got to have ball striking. It's the number one differentiator between anybody that wants to be good and anybody that's been struggling for 20, 30 years and they're still not where they want to be. The problem is, it reminds me of that movie uh, with Tom Cruise, and Jack Nicholas, uh, the military one. He was a Navy JAG, Tom was, and uh, Nicholas was a, I don't know, a general or something. And it's like, you can't handle the truth, man. You don't want to <laughs> do, you don't want to do what it takes to learn to hit the ball more solid or draw the ball. You just don't. And that's okay. Like you want, you want, uh, you want to take the magic pill, the shiny object, right? And of just, course, we all do. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm, I feel the same way sometimes. <laughs> so let's take a couple of things that you mentioned along the way there, Keith, and let's yeah. expound on them. First of all, for people who don't know what Vision 54 training is and what the fluid motion factor is, talk about what those two things are. So, you know, Pia Nilsson and Lynn Marriott run a, a, uh, a golf uh, school, I guess I would say, uh, called Vision 54. And I think what I've gotten a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot to it, but I went through their super coach training during COVID. Um, and I have all my juniors go through the junior 54 training and it is amazing how it changes their attitude about golf. But this is, this is the thing that's really important to me. Golf has to be learned in its true environment. I could teach you a lot of things in the Bay. And right now I only focus on ball striking, right? But, but you, you have to learn to play this game in its true environment. You've got to be on the course. You want to hit it around a tree? How are you getting, like, I can teach you to curve the ball in the simulator, but you get out there and you're behind that tree and all of a sudden, like, you don't know what to do. So you got to get out there and drop some balls and keep, keep trying to get around the tree. And it helps if you're <laughs> with somebody that can help you learn to do the right things to get around the tree, right? So for so long, the whole path and the whole ball flight thing has been a disaster and it's way better now. But I remember people saying, well, you know, you got to aim your body to the left and aim the club where you want the ball to finish. And I'm out there hitting the damn tree every time. Like <laughs> My balls are just going into the tree. And I'm like, well, this does, this isn't working. This doesn't make sense, you know? And it's like the club face controls the initial direction of the ball. So if you're slicing, if you're a right-hander, you're slicing the ball is starting too straight and your path's left, that thing might start straight, but it's going to curve off. And if you have the face a little open, it's going to start right and, cur and slice more. So you have to get control of the club face. Um, but going back to that, you know, you uh, let's say you, you're in the trees, right? I can teach you the shot to get you out of the trees, but till you're over there in the Georgia pine straw trying to hit you know, a, a, a punch seven iron, 120 yards to get it on the green from where you're at to save par. 
like you're just not going to get it till you're in that environment getting out of the bunker right i can teach you the technique but until you drop a ball in the bunker and try to figure out how to get out of there i still have people today that like they just can't get out of the bunker you know yeah my my hands up in the air by the way <laughs> never, they never get out of the bunker i mean it's like i'm like how's that possible i don't so, know you're talking well, about ball striking. And a minute ago, you said taking a divot in front of the ball is easy to teach. Well, I've been playing the game for 40-ish years, and and I've still never figured out how to take a divot in front of the golf ball. I, I'm, I'm a sweeper, if you will. I can sweep yeah. it off the turf just fine. But yeah. getting that low point of my swing to be in front of the golf ball is something that has always eluded me. How can yeah. you teach us how to do that better, easier? Yeah, I mean... um, Going back to a, a video that I filmed in the Golf Channel, the towel drill, right? You put a towel on the ground, and the edge of the towel is even with where the ball would be, and you make swings that hit the grass and not the towel, or the mat and not the towel, right? I mean, the whole, the whole, you got two, you got two options, you got two things you need to do to move the divot. Number one. Is we know the best players in the world are 80 to 90% on the front foot when they hit the ball. So what I do is I teach people to start there so they're better at the top and they've got more transfer. You know, they've already got the transfer figured out. And so, and so that makes it easier for them to miss the towel, if this makes any sense at all. It does. Right? So if you move the weight back to the right you, and you don't move it fast enough, far enough to the left in the downswing, you have less than half a second to do that. You're going to hit the towel a bunch. So you're going to be chunking. And then if you're a little wristy, the club's going to come up and hit the middle of the ball. You're going to be hitting grounders. And it's it's hard. So that would be number one. And number two, this might be a little hard to explain, but um, in the golfing machine, it's called the, fly, the right arm flying wedge. And I'm talking about right-handers. It's just the exact opposite for left-handers. So for left-handers, it would be the left arm flying wedge. But for right-handers, the right arm flying wedge. And it's the bend in the trail wrist the extension in the trail wrist that keeps the lead wrist flat. If that makes any sense, you want, all you got to do is watch these players. You have to get your hands to the ball before the club and have the, the bent trail wrist to keep the radius shorter on the backside of the swing until everything stalls out and flip and, and smashes the club in there. Right. So um, it's a little bit I'm trying to think of the best way to explain it. Um, Anyway, if you if you take your club in just your right hand only and you bend your your right wrist back towards away from the target, let's say, okay, so you gotta you gotta bend back away from the target and you try to hold that the best you can until you make contact with the ball. I mean, look, look, I'll tell you the drill, either the towel drill or just learn to hit punches. Move the ball back, move all your weight, 90% of your weight forward and hit punches until you start killing it. It's, it's, that, it's hard at the beginning, but it's repetitions, the mother of skill. So the motor learning scientists say, if you can do it without a ball, let's say you're doing the towel drill and you can finally get six swings in a row that are in front of the towel, right? So the motor learning scientists say, if you can do it without a ball, the brain's told the body what to do. If you can't do it with the ball, Number one, you don't have enough reps yet to be better at it. And number two, your focus is changing from the process to the outcome because now the ball's in the way and you're trying to hit the ball instead of focusing on trying to move the divot. So there's a couple of things, Keith, that 
that you preach that uh, uh, to me are very unique. Let's start with the 80 or 90% on the lead foot. Yeah. Because in my golf swing at a dress, I'm probably 50, 50 ish. Yeah. And then, and then I load all of the weight into my trail leg for which for me is my right leg when I'm taking yeah. my backswing. Yeah. And then I transfer that weight as best I can to my lead foot through the follow through. Yeah. But you're starting out at 80 or 90% on the left side on my lead leg. Yeah. And then letting everything flow through. So that's very different. That's almost exactly opposite of the things I'm doing. Why does that make it better? Because the best players in the world are that far forward when they hit the when they hit the ball. And most of them are 60 to 70% on that foot when they get to the top. So they're moving, they're transferring the load earlier to the front foot in this earlier in the front, earlier in the swing, earlier in the back swing. And more in the backswing than most of us, considering what you just said, right? You're loading to the back foot. So by the time you get to the top, you already bet you, you better already be 60, 70% on transfer on the front foot, right? Wow. Otherwise, otherwise you're gonna struggle. And so moving all the weight to the front foot at the beginning, weight, pressure, whatever you I don't want to get into that thing, right? Right. Everybody will be blowing me up this week because I said weight instead of pressure, whatever. Um, all I know is if I move you to 90% at the beginning, get you to hit punches until you can move the divot forward, then, then look, I don't care where you end up at the end of the day. The, your biggest problem is you're moving to the back, you're, you're loading the trail foot or leg or whatever, and you can't get forward fast enough because you're still back there trying to come down. And you're trying to move it forward, but it's just not enough. And then if you're sweeping, you're probably a little risky. Right. So you're not compressing the ball. It's not going as far as it could. It's probably going too high and not as far as it could. Yeah. Well, you got a point there. That would be, that, that would be the other I'm... thing that you talk about. And we've uh, touched on this in the past when you've been on the show is key height with the driver because so <laughs> many, so many of us, whether we're stacking and tilting or we're doing a reverse K when we've got the driver. You know, we're trying to hit up on the golf ball with the with the tee, whether it's you know a little further up in our stance, so that we're getting a little more height and that sort of thing. But you're a proponent of actually teeing it down lower. Talk about why. So what I've found over the research I've done with all the different kind of handicap players that I that I teach, you know, they all get in this, and we've talked about this, and I remember we we all talk about the old cliche: tee it high and let it fly. Right. Right. And um, so the problem with that is most players aren't consistent enough to hit it in the center of the face. So the higher the tee is, I mean, they're hitting down and popping them up off the off the top of the off the top of the club face, right? They're going straight up in the air, and they're like, "What's happening?" I'm like, "The tee's too high. Lower the tee, right?" And they're and, they're, and they might be chopping down on that a little bit. So this is what I would say. Every, this is the question I get. Well, how am I going to hit up if the tee's low? And I'll tell you, I saw a thing. I want to say it was on Golf Spy, but I don't remember. And they did this big T height survey, right? And they said, okay, um, the the better height of the T is when it was like, I want to say an inch and a half. I could have the numbers wrong. It's a it's better when it's teed up an inch and a half instead of an inch. Okay. Well, that is a little bit higher, but it's not three inches. I mean, it's not like where you could sweep the driver underneath the ball, right? So yep. I think there's a lot of confusion in the details of what that's about. But what I found is when I took them from a one and a half inch tee and they, and they were, they couldn't get smashed. Okay. I use TrackMan every day. 
They couldn't get the smash. When I take them to a lower T, it automatically increases their smash factor. So this is the thing to understand about that. And, and for those of you that don't know what smash factor is, it's a, it's a number based on dividing the club head speed into the ball speed. And it'll give you a number. So uh, I can't think of uh, what, what, what that ratio would be right off the top of my head. Well, here, maybe I could tell you. So um, look, the fastest way to get somebody to be able to hit the ball farther is to get smash. Okay. And that's not, we're not even talking about speed. I can increase somebody's distance, just giving them tour average smash. And remember the PGA tour and the LPGA tour swing at different speeds, but the LPGA tour smash is just as high, if not higher on some clubs, right? Mm, They're hitting it more solid, you know, on average. Um, But just as a, just as an example, and I'll try to get to this really quick. I'm trying to stay on, on task here on, um, on why it's important to tee the ball low. Uh, everybody hits it. They, they're not popping any up when the tee's lower, right? They're hitting it lower, lower in the face, which in my mind is, is higher than, higher than, uh, well, let's say lower in the face is on the club face instead of hitting the top of the club, club end, right? Yeah. So here's an example of, of, of smash. And I've even had somebody like a lot of people give me a bunch of crap about this, but this was actually a, a true hit. It was at uh, club champion. I was getting fit. So I had club speed of 94 and I'm old. I'm 60 years old almost. I'll be 60 in April. I had a, I had a club head speed of 94 and I am working hard on that, but it's a different subject. And my ball speed was 143.8. So you divide 94 into 143.8. I had a 1.53 smash. And you don't know how many people wrote me, oh, that's, that's bull crap. Something must have been wrong with track, man. I'm like, dude, whatever. It is what it is. I, I pushed I push the number. So on this one, my launch was 15. My spin rate was 1560. That's a really big, important number to understand about being able to hit it far. Because if the number's too high, the spin, backspin's too high, the ball's going to balloon up, have a steeper angle of descent, and you're not going to be able to carry it very far. So this ball went 238 in the air, 270 total. My peak height was 80. I know all these numbers don't mean a lot to a lot of people. Look, the only number that's important if you ever want to be any good is smash because that is telling you how much you're compressing the ball. And I don't care if you got a mile per hour worth of more speed, you'd still hit it far if you were on the tour average of the smash um, for track. I know I went a little overboard. There. Uh, no, no, that's fine. That, and that makes a lot of sense. Now, let's let's talk about something you just mentioned. Spin rate. Yep. Because we see that when we go and get fit or we're in a simulator, we can see what the spin rate is. When I'm sitting there with my driver, again, we're talking about driver distance a lot with yep. you, but yep. if I'm sitting there with my driver, what spin rate should I be looking at? And to your point, the higher the spin rate, the, the less distance I'm going to get because that backspin is just going to kill me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, let's just go to uh, to spin rate here really quickly. Let's see if I've, uh, who did I send that to? Oh, God. Here we go. So I'm just going to give you LPGA Tour numbers because they swing slower than men on average. So uh, uh, a lady on the LPGA Tour on average sp- uh, swings their driver 94 miles an hour. Okay. okay. They have the same smash that a PGA tour has, which is 1.48. Okay. 
And their spin rate's 2611, and they carry it 220. 218 officially, but let's just say 220. So if you're if you're swinging under 100 miles an hour or over 100 miles an hour, you still need to get that spin down, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, 2611 at 94 miles an hour. And that's the average on the LPGA Tour. I don't have the PGA Tour numbers right in front of me, but um, I could probably get them really quick if I just Google. But do you see what I'm saying? Yep. So if you're in the if you're in the bay and your spin rate's 30 whatever, 40 whatever, you're in trouble, man. And look, if your smash is high and you got that spin rate, you need to get a different shaft. And you need to be fit for that shaft. And the other thing that matters is swing weight. Swing weight will help you get smash, but you still need either a low spinning uh geometry in the club head or a low spinning shaft. And it's not for everybody. Like let these guys do their job, right? Yeah. Go go to a fitting, keep an open mind. Oh, well, I'm a Titleist guy. Well, guess what? You might hit the Callaway 30 yards further. Do you want to hit a 30-yard farther drive with a Callaway? Or do you want to hit an okay drive with the Titleist? Like, let them do what they do, man. They're experts at this, you know? Um, Sorry, I was trying to get the uh, L- uh, okay. PGA Tour smash here. There we go. All right, PGA Tour averages. So the, here's the difference. Remember, we said the ladies swing 94 on average, and this might this might be a little low now, but on average, it's still listing the PGA Tour at 113. Okay. Yeah. Their smash is still 148, which is the same as the ladies, and their spin is under three. This says I can't read. It's 26. Call it 2600. Yeah. Right. And but they carry it 275. Yeah. Right. So. If you want to learn to hit the ball far, the number one thing you got to do is hit it in the center of the face and get your smash up. Get some foot powder, spray it on the face. I'll, I'll tell I'll tell everybody listening right now. You get some foot powder and spray that face. Take about four or five swings and let me see where the ball is. Send it to me, email or text or whatever. And I'll tell you what to do. Because if you're not doing that, you don't have smash. And, and you're going to be where you are until you do get smash. And then after that, we can talk about spin rate and launch and peak height and all that other stuff, right? But smash is the most important. And the fastest way to figure out where you're hitting it on the face is go get some Dr. Scholl's foot powder and spray it on the face. Take about five swings and show me where those marks are. Are they all over the face? Are they consistent? Are they low in the face? Are they high in the face? Are they heel toe? What are they? So tell people how they can find you, Keith. How can they go online or go on social media, get to you or V1 and get some video and send it to you and learn how to do it better, faster? Yeah, download V1 Golf app and um, uh, add me as your instructor. You could probably see me under there at Keith Jarvis Golf Academy or something like that. And um, Keith at Keith Jarvis Golf is my email. I'm on all social media, Keith at Keith Jarvis Golf. I haven't been on X much, but after this, uh, this, pod i'm going to jump back on there and uh and uh try to try to get things going on there again but instagram's the same keith at keith jarvis golf and um yeah that's where that's where you can find me unless you're in new jersey keith it's always great having you as part of the show my friend like we say it's been far too long hopefully we can get back together much sooner this time around you're fantastic thank you so much chris i guess i'm a little more passionate sometimes than others but it's, I think it's part of what makes me good. Indeed it is. Keith, you're the best, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up again soon. 
Thanks so much, Chris. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Have a wonderful night. You too. Take care, Keith. That is the great Keith Jarvis. Again, at Keith Jarvis Golf is where you can find him. You can follow him, like he says, all over social media. Keith at Keith Jarvis Golf is where you can send him an email. Maybe take some video. Maybe go on V1. Choose him as your instructor. Find out all this great stuff that uh, he can do to help you gain some distance. Smash Factor, we hear an awful lot about it, and I know we're going to hear about it more tonight on the show with my next guest, Terry Hashimoto. But, uh, folks, the the best thing you can do is work with a great instructor, and Keith is certainly one of them. So let me know if you have questions. You can find me at, at CT Mascaro on Instagram and on Twitter, or get yourself right to Keith. He's going to help you do some great things and gain a little bit more distance. Coming up next is going to be a guy who knows more about the swing and its biomechanics than probably anybody ever, and that is Terry Hashimoto. Before I get to Terry, I was talking with Eddie Dry, VP of Domestic Sales for Strixon Cleveland Golf, at the PGA Merchandise Show earlier this year, and I said, Eddie, I like your CBX full-face wedges. How can they help an average player like me play better? Here's what he had to say. An average player, I use one, and I'm in some lies that you can't even believe, and I need all the help I can get, and the face is bigger, and the grooves go all the way up and all the way out to the toe. So if I, you hit it on the toe, you miss it, bam, there's a groove. So I like that. So I carry a, a 58. There you have it, folks. Try the new CBX Full Face Wedges from Cleveland Golf. I also want to give a shout-out to my friends over at On Point Golf and their great On Point Ball Marker. Get the number one ball marker in the game of golf. On Point is the only three-dimensional ball marker out there. With alignment technology and a removable coin that is approved to use according to the rules of golf. As you know, putting is all about line and pace. Mark your ball with On Point, engage with your three-dimensional ball marker, and have more confidence in your line, execute the putt, and you're going to lower your scores. Do what the likes of Jim Furyk, PGA professionals and amateurs alike are doing now. They use the number one ball marker in golf and they lower their scores. You know Ken Duke and Thong Chai JD. They won for the first time on the PGA Tour in 2023 and they were using an on-point ball marker. Get yours at onpointgolf.us and make more putts. And oh, by the way, you can also customize the removable coin for any club, event, or corporate outing. They make really great tee gifts and custom products. That's also going to help lower your score. I use on-point ball markers. Mine is black and gold, 3D black golf ball with a gold line down the middle to help me line up my putts. It's like having a 15th club in my bag. It's helped my game. Why wouldn't you let it help yours? Again, onpointgolf.us. See what I'm talking about. Order yours today. Now let's talk grips. I want to tell you about Lampkin grips. Every shot, as you know, has its own unique feel. The trick Feel comfortable with each one. And comfort is built into the very DNA of Sonar Plus Black Grips. Composed of their Genesis material that provides supreme comfort and durability with their fingerprint technology creates a strong connection and unforgettable touch. The game changes from shot to shot. The feel in your hand shouldn't. Lampkin. Feel is everything. Okay, now back and next on the tee with me is Terry Hashimoto. Terry is the co-developer and founder of Swing Balance and Body Track Golf, which is what most great club fitting companies and instructors use when you go get fit or take a lesson. Tom Patry has it in his home studio. Terry is originally from Winnipeg, Manitoba, 
He was named Manitoba Amateur Golfer of the Year three times and was a finalist five more times from 1976 to 1998. At the tender age of 17, he placed seventh in the Junior Orange Bowl Tournament back in 1975. In 98, he won Manitoba's Provincial Amateur, Mid-Amateur, and Match Play titles. He was named Golfer of the Year in 1976, 80, and 98. In the years he didn't win, he was a finalist every year from 1978 to 1985. He was also a nominee for Manitoba Athlete of the Year in 1998 in recognition of winning all three of those amateur major titles. He played his college golf at the University of Miami and won seven college tournaments. He was low amateur in the Pan Am Open. He became a PGA professional in 1986 and was a club pro at Bell Acres Golf and Country Club. He played on the Canadian Tour from 1986 to 1988, finishing eighth in the Canadian PGA Championship in 86 and finished 17th on the Order of Merit in 88. Terry was inducted into the Manitoba Golf Hall of Fame in September of 2010. He's worked with our friends over at Squares Golf. He is now working with a company called Golf Rehab. He is absolutely one of the most sought-after people in the golf industry, and I couldn't be more honored. He is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Terry, thanks for coming back on the show. Chris Mascaro, Next on the Tee Nation. Unbelievable. Thank you so much for that, that intro, man. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. It was great to see you down at the PGA Merchandise Show. It was great to spend a few minutes. I'll tell you what, that was, uh, I'd like to have that conversation with Alan Miller and Sidney Miller and yourself and myself. That I mean, that was a lot of fun, and I appreciate you taking the time with us. That was great. So what did you think of the show, Terry? Um, you know, in terms of the feedback I'm getting, is you know, great for networking. Um, was there a ton of new stuff there? I don't know. I didn't see anything, really. I, I like the full swing simulator. I like the price. I like the... Uh, that's because we're going to body tracks going to integrate with them, and that's primarily why I went there. But uh, I did, I I really did like the on form integration to full swing. Uh, I didn't see a ton of new things out there that, in my sort of area, um, blew me away. But I saw a lot of energy, and I saw a lot of great people really developing some new ways to train. And I'm excited to be a part of that, Chris. Terry, you're always so busy with projects that you're working on. Kind of give us an update. What's been going on? What are you working on right now? All right. So the uh, thanks for asking. So this golfrehab.com, it's basically initially a how to use pressure on a practical basis. Uh, I was listening to Keith talk about setting up 89 in the elite side. Yeah, we see some of that. But the uh, you know we, we, we're really focusing in on how do you initiate your backswing? Is it the hands that started or is it a pressure? A pressure tap and you know my videos and, and and in my course we talk about which part of the foot to tap before your hands start the backswing and you know keith made some really cool points about pressure moving forward to the lead side earlier that's true um you and i have talked about this a lot but golf rehab is also going to be and this is really where i get excited chris it's a training program for golf we want to use golf as a recovery sport you know um, not to be too long-winded, but the stats indicate last year, 2023, was the first year that more people played golf inside than out, more rounds played. I, I'm sure you're familiar with that. <laughs> yeah, so let's, but let's expand on that a little bit, Terry. So let's well, go back to, you say, golf as a recovery sport. Talk about what you mean by that. All right, so when you get older and, you know, balance becomes an issue, 
there was a period in time of about four years when, in addition to golf, I was trying to show people how to use pressure mapping to measure uh, the clinical test of sensory interaction of balance, which is a test that's often used as a balance test and a, a way to for return to play protocol and concussion. And then we used the pressure mapping systems for gait analysis and treadmills. Uh, didn't really catch on, but it's catching on now because, you know, this type of technology is fairly fresh. It's only been available to to be able to do it in the last seven or eight years. And, you know, doctors don't want to take data that isn't completely researched and use it or apply it to their patients. But having said all that, you know, if you're um, if you're struggling with a balance issue and you want to recover from golf, uh, I'm sorry, recover uh, to have better balance, the number one way, in my opinion, to recover from a concussion is the proprioception from walking on an uneven surface. And the last time I checked, Chris, that's called a golf course. <laughs> Indeed. So talk about why that is, because we've talked about that in the past when you've been on the show about yeah. how concussions can, you, you can get over that or, or help to treat it by walking on uneven surfaces. Talk about the science behind that. Why does that work? It, it's all about neuroscience. It's all about, I mean, like, obviously I'm not a neuroscientist, but when I started, I wanted to make uh, um, concussion skull caps for online neurological assessment. My company had developed what's called inertial measuring. You know, it's little clips that go on clubs that measures, um, you know, angular velocity, speed, and path, and stuff like that. And then I wanted to put that into a helmet and measure the uh, uh, the actual forces within the helmet. Uh, you know, that was just so that we could share information with the neurologist as to the type of forces that were being applied to the skull, you know, and turns out there's three or four, there's three different types of hits they're really interested in. But significantly at the end of the day, regardless of how you get hit, the decision to return back to the pitch or into the ice or into the football field, it's going to be based on balance. And if you can't stand tall for 10 seconds without less than 10 inches of sway, you probably might want to wait a little while until you can get your um, your vision back in a more opti in a more optimal manner but it's it's going to happen i mean the problem isn't just the teams the problem isn't just uh the leagues it's a lot in the players and the coaches i mean the players want to play so they don't give a heck what they're what they're doing they want they just want to go out on the ice or they want to go out to the pitch and so a lot of times they'll try to hide it but you can't hide from the pressure mapping system and um but when you see hockey players in particular, I mean, in the old days after the season, what's the one thing that those guys did, Chris? What's that? They all golf. And, and, you know, using golf. Uh, no, what's really cool, and I don't want to drive your audience crazy, but as you know, we talked with Alan Miller, Cindy Miller, and they're going to be doing um, some a great show for us, a video show about how they use golf as a recovery sport from addictions. Um, and, I, and I love this because, you know, if no one goes untouched or unscathed. We all, at some point in our life, will either have a balance issue or some type of an addiction of types. And there's a lot of people that have been over the years that have used golf to improve their quality of life. And that's what Cindy Miller, who was a teammate of mine at the University of Miami and Ellen were, you and you were talking about, and I, I'm really excited because golf rehab is just 
one part of what we're doing. Sure, we're an educational platform to how to use pressure mapping, but we're also into the training aspects of, like, like, I don't know, how many times have you played 18 holes in the simulator uh, during this year, Chris? None. <laughs> exactly, because you can still play golf outside a little bit in Atlanta, but, I, I mean, I like hitting balls inside, yep. but after I played a, a 18 holes once, you know, I'm really not interested, but I, I, I'm in Winnipeg visiting my mom, and I hit balls every day while I've been here at St. Charles, my old country club, and I've been doing training for like 90 minutes, so I have a, we, based on all this, on all the training programs that a fellow named Dr. Hayden Atkinson, head of postdoctoral research at Western University in London, Ontario, has helped me develop. And we've been working with Roltex Motion, Dr. Joel Akaz, you know, Mike Romatoski at the Mach 3. We've got um, uh, Tsunami Bar Sports, um, you know, uh, KT, Kenny Taylor. And we've been working with uh, Oxius Ridge, which is a new disc type of training that we're working. Jeff Dantas has got some tools we're looking at, but we want to put it into a a program so that we can do muscle activation so that when you are your muscles are properly activated prior to the taking back the club they're ready to go terry something else we talked about a little bit last time and i want to touch upon it again here because as you've stated so far one of the things that really dumbfounded me is that you've talked about how the big toe on our lead foot is actually where the pressure starts and kicks off our backswing Still shaking my head over that one. Talk about that again. I mean, in a well, and, and, and let me explain to the audience how we determine, uh, come, come up with these statements. So basically, we look for common denominators using pressure mapping systems for uh, all the best tour players that we've ever been able to capture. And, and over the last 13 years, we've captured a lot. And we probably have more uh, tour winners than anybody else on the planet. And the common denominator with all the great players was is that the pressure the push into their into the ball of their lead foot preceded the motion of their hands to the backswing. So that's what initiated their backswing. Now, I will say something that Keith mentioned. I find it interesting because, you know, I'm not saying I made any mistakes, but I sure as heck have, right? And when we started, we tried to give some ranges, you know, as opposed to giving you specifics. So, you know, 55, 60 lead side, pressure and the major but we never told people where it was and it should be always be on the ball of the lead foot that's called the transverse distal arch where your ankle joins the foot is called the transverse proximal arch and then your foot has two other arches the longitudinal arches the up and down arch on each the inside and outside but if you can keep the the, the pressure in let's call it the ball of the lead foot when you before you initiate your backswing and then immediately move it into your trail heel and keep it there, you're, you're in great shape. You really are. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm and I, you, know, you know, send me an email if, if you want, but I, I have played golf at the highest level. I, I wasn't uh, a champion, but I was a good player. I took a lot of lessons off Toski. I, I mean, you know, you name a guy in the 70s that was worth their soul uh, for a tuning pro, and I was there. and. I remember Bob used to tell me, set up 60-40 on the right side, Terry. We didn't call it trailer lead. About when he was 90, I guess that'd be three years ago, we went to visit him. And he set up 60-40 on the lead side. So it was really interesting. But Bob's a great guy. And if you're listening, Bob, I hope everything's well. But, 
You want to initiate your backswing with a little pressure trigger to the ball of your lead foot, and that includes your lead toe. You've also talked about how the heels of our feet are the accelerator in the swing, and the toes are the brakes. Talk about that. Yeah, no question. So God gave us uh, 10 toes for a reason, Chris. And they're, 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 they're the balance point. The toes are the brakes, the heels are the accelerators, and the ankles are the shock absorber and the propulsion system. I've done this so often, it's ridiculous. Guy comes in, has a good trace, you know, it looks like a linear trace, which we, we consider to be the best trace. And now I, I have an option. I can say, well, you know, you're done. And then I take a look at the, um, the pressure in his trail heel at pressure transition. And for those that are listening, Pressure transition occurs when the in and around when the lead arm is parallel to the ground during your backswing. By that time, for a good player, the pressure is already moving forward. And that was one of the first things that we noticed. Now, the pressure into the trail heel is critical because if you're accelerating through your toes, your lateral motion will be slower than if you accelerated via your heels. And that's a cool, and we've done this, Chris, literally thousands of times over the past four, nearly 14 years, where if we see a good trace and we're looking at the lateral speed, we've seen a triple. I had a, I, we've seen a triple, and I posted some information on that not too long ago, and even almost 400 times go up by getting the pressure into the trail heel. The Turian pros make one, one major mistake. They get too deep into the trail heel. And one of our mutual friends, Jake Thurm, said to me, maybe everybody should do that. And he is right. Terry, let's take that a step further because so much of the game now is centered around club head speed. And we see players like, speaking of professionals, guys like Justin Thomas, they swing so hard that they launch themselves practically into the air, or at least up onto their toes, almost like they're jumping through impact, using the ground to gain more club head speed. Is that the epitome of what you're trying to teach? Well, you know, it's funny you you mentioned JT. I mean, I don't know the guy, but I've seen his trace a million times, and uh, and and he's an anomaly. But he's not, you know, he's a long driver. Um, he, he kills it, but he's not very accurate with his driver. Like I wouldn't. I mean, Tiger Wood has got much more lateral motion. He presses from the inside of his trail heel to get to the lead side, and JT, you know, in his day, if you could compare apples to apples. I don't think JT was longer than Tiger, um, and I know we can't compare. This is pure speculation. But you you take a look at uh, Justin James, probably one of the longest hitters in the world, and he's dead linear. He's pushing off the inside of his trail heel, and he doesn't get into his trail toe, and he's fairly accurate for a massive 400-yard drive-plus driver. So I, I think it's a it, – it's but but Justin, uh, JT, he's dead linear in a six-iron down, and short, and he's a great wedge player. His, his pressure moves straight back and straight through. It doesn't even move move back, really. just goes straight forward. So um, he's a bit of an anomaly in the driver. I don't know why he is, but I, don't, I think it's primarily because uh, we do have a portion in my course called Size Matters, and he's not a very big man. He's obviously very fit and very strong and very handsome and very rich and all that stuff. But he, he in my opinion, if he would keep his trail heel down longer or a little bit longer, uh, he hit the ball much straighter without a, without much loss in distance. Terry, for our audience who are like you and me, and we're north of 50, yeah. turning through the ball isn't always easy for us. 
No. How can we do a better job of getting our weight transferred to our lead side if if we're having some issues making a full body turn? Okay, so that's a great question. So if you press it, for the people that are listening, just stand up for a second. Press all, all, put all your weight into your trail heel and make a hip turn. I think you're going to see that it opens the door a little bit for that. If you put all your, all your weight or your pressure into your trail toe and try to make a hip turn, it's restricted. So where your pressure is during your backswing is going to uh, it, it alter the way that your rotation. So obviously the three forces, lateral rotation on vertical. But the more modern golfer, what they do is they have a high rotation to the trail side, and they also have great lateral speed, but they break and clear on the lead side prior to impact by pressing into their lead toe and clearing perpendicular to the target with the pressure moving from the lead toe to the lead heel almost just instantaneously before contact, and that, that rapidly increases the rotation on the front side. It's not a trick. It's what everybody out there that's winning is doing right now. Terry, just a couple more before I let you go. And another thing that you have said in the past is that so many of the fundamentals of golf that you and I learned are no longer relevant. What's no longer relevant and what are the new fundamentals that we should be focusing on? Well, I don't think the grip is relevant. And I know there's a lot of people that will say that it is, but I've seen so many different types of grips on golfers with great swings, et cetera, but I, I, I don't think it's a relevant thing. I don't think the position at the top of the swing is relevant, and I know I'm going to get some heat on that, but keep in mind, I'm trying to help golfers that are, you know, have tried different positions from their coaches or their pros and not get anywhere with it. If all your pressure is in your trail heel during your downswing, you're not over the top. Everybody talks about the inside path, so if once your pressure gets into your trail toe, you're on the outside path, Chris. It's not, you know, I, this is a family show, and I, 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 I'm not going to say what I almost said there. I mean, like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, like, uh, if you keep the pressure on the inside of your trail heel during your downswing, even if you're late getting to the lead side, you're still on the inside path. Path always follows pressure, and anybody that wants to argue that just wants to argue. Um, I didn't realize it when I built the course, but we had built, and we had, I have by accident developed the five fundamentals of pressure mapping. And I think they're going to stand the test of time for a long time. Uh, will there be a new swing type? Well, I, I, I hope so. Um, I think people will start walking in the shots in the future. I've seen it in Europe. I've seen it in Indonesia. Um, I, I think that the amount of time that the golfer takes to make contact with the ball is too long. And I think golf will become a, a semi-motion sport. Um, when I say semi-motion sport, there's going to be a forward motion and a backward, um, backward and then a forward. I, I think you're going to see a lot more guys. Look at Victor Hoblin with the double uh, the double pump when he really wants to nail one. I mean, come on. There's there's better ways out there that we are still beginning to learn and understand. Terry, before I let you go, how can our listeners stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing and coming out with, whether they're following you on your website or it's on social media? Golfrehab.com. And just to make it easy for everybody on social media, I just use my name, Terry Hashimoto. I'm going to hire a social media guy. I know you're too busy to do it. Otherwise, I'd be talking to you in a heartbeat. But golfrehab.com, click the online course. The first section is free. It's 20 minutes. I think you'll enjoy it. And if you don't like it, it was free. You didn't lose any money. Wow. And I really appreciate you, Chris. And next on the T Nation, we'll keep rocking and rolling. Um, you're doing an amazing job, and I mean it. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Well, I appreciate that very much, Terry. You're awesome.
Take care, my friend. All the best in your family. I hope we get this privilege of catching up with you again soon. Thanks, Chris. See you later. See you, Terry. That is a great Terry Hashimoto. H-A-S-H-I-M-O-T-O is the spelling of his last name. Golfrehab.com is the website. This guy is doing amazing things. And when I tell you he's the most sought-after guy in the game, I'm not exaggerating. That's not hyperbole. People are after Terry all the time because he is coming up with great things over and over and over again. I don't think anybody knows the technical side of the golf swing and the pressure points and that sort of thing better than Terry does. Golfrehab.com is the site at Terry Hashimoto. You can find him on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling that thing these days and over on Instagram as well. Let me know again if you've got questions for Terry. I'd be glad to help you get them over to him. Amazing, amazing man. Coming up next is a lady who has been named one of the 50 best golf fitness professionals by Golf Digest in our game, and that is Catherine Roberts. Catherine is an amazing lady. She's going to do a lot for us to help us use ground forces in our bodies to really get more strength and power in our games. Before I get to Catherine, I want to remind you about our friends over at Two Under. Two Under Men's Performance Briefs are the unofficial underwear of the PGA, Ryder Cup, and President's Cup teams and are sold in over 3,000 golf pro shops and golf specialty retailers nationwide. Ricky Fowler is their global ambassador, and over 50 other PGA, Corn Ferry, and Champions Tour players wear them. Just to mention a few, they are David Toms, Jerry Kelly, Justin Thomas, William McGirt, Jason Kokrak, Scott McCarron, and Chris DeMarco. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort from the tee box to the boardroom, to the bedroom. Use code NEXTONT20 to save 20% off your order at 2under.com. That's the number two, U-N-D-R.com. 2under, performance in your pants. Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. It's all in the hips. Just tap it in. Yes! Find the latest clubs and apparel at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. Now back in next on the tee with me is the top movement skills coordinator in all of sports, in my opinion, and that is Catherine Roberts. You probably remember Catherine as one of the co-hosts of the Golf Channel's The Big Break. She is also the founder of Yoga for Golfers and yogaforgolfers.com. She is, of course, a certified yoga instructor and has been named one of the 50 best golf fitness professionals by Golf Digest magazine. She is also a Nike Swoosh elite athlete and on their advisory staff. She is certified by the Gray Institute in Applied Functional Science and Chain Reaction Biomechanics. On top of the work she does with people in our game, she also serves as a yoga performance coach for several Major League Baseball teams. She's about to enter her 10th year working with the Chicago Cubs. She has a second great website, humanperformanceforsports.com. And I couldn't be more delighted we get to have her back with us this week here on Next on the T. Hey, Catherine, how are you? I'm fantastic, Chris. How are you doing? I'm fantastic as well. Thank you. It's been a minute since we got to spend some time uh, together. Catch us up. What's been going on with you? Has been a minute. Um, oh, my goodness. Where do we start? Well, you know, I'm uh, very blessed. Let me just say very blessed to do the work that I love to do, which is essentially helping people move better. That, that's what I get to do every day, whether it be with the golfers that I work with or the major league baseball players that I work with. And, you know, it's just very re rewarding to help people move better, play better, stay in the game that they love, 
um, you know, I'm a golfer. And if I was hopefully never in this situation, but in a situation where maybe I was injured and I couldn't play, you know, that's what I'm all about is helping people stay in the game and, and, and feel great while they're doing it and enjoy it. So let's expand on that a little bit, because for people my age, 50, north of 50, and even younger people for that matter, we all have something. We got a shoulder, we got an ache or a pain, we've got arthritis, we've got something going on in our bodies that is kind of impacting our ability to swing the club the way we'd like to. How can you help us overcome that? Well, you ask a very interesting question because yes, we all have something. I mean, even myself, 10 years ago, I had a a back injury. Um, I understand what it's like to be in pain. But what I will say is my, my, my motto for people that are looking to move better is adherence over duration is the key. So if you're willing to commit 15 minutes a day to some sort of mobility and strengthening program, and you're willing to commit to doing that four or five days a week, you'll get more results than if you decide, you know what, I'm going to work out on a Sunday. So, you know, I've, I've had people come to me that have said, you know, I have to just give up golf. My back is so bad. And I put them on a program and it's like, you know, 15, maybe 20 minutes, like I said, of mobility, stability, and strengthening exercises. And I'm thinking of my one client in particular, his name was, his name is Jim and 67 years old, his doctor told him to give up golf. And within four months he was back playing golf. Um, I feel like it's never too late. You know, I mean, if I had a, if I had a dime for everybody that said to me, literally people have stopped me in the airport, Chris, that recognized me and said, do you have anything for my hamstrings? You've never seen hamstrings this tight. And I say, oh, actually I have. Um, But, you know, you just got to get moving. I also have another saying is that movement heals. And when you're moving and you're breathing and you're feeling better, not only does it affect you physically in a positive way, but it affects you psychologically in a positive way. So for folks that are listening, going, I need that. How can you help? Where can we go to get the help? Where can we get Catherine Roberts to help us? Or what program can we click on or find that says, hey, do this and you're going to feel better? Well, there's a couple different ways. So on my website, it's yogaforgolfers.com. And it's F-O-R, not the number four and not spelled out the number four, yogaforgolfers.com. We have uh, a number of instant downloads that people can use. Um, the workouts are around 30 minutes. Uh, we have varying levels, par, par level and birdie level. Um, and, you know, they can start there. Absolutely. It's a great place to do it. I also train people virtually. And that's a very, uh, a very interesting process because um, I will work with you, obviously the golfer, but I also insist on talking to the swing coach. So we have a team that's collectively here to support you. Um, I want to find out what your golf goals are, what your golf instructor is working on with you. And I train people virtually all over the world. I have, I have clients in, 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 in Dubai, in Ireland. I have a client that I've been training for eight years in Atlanta. I've still never met him in person. Um, so, and it, it's actually very convenient and very good way to create an optimal program that's specific and unique to what your needs are. Catherine, as I mentioned in your intro, you're entering your 10th season, working with the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs won their first world series in over a hundred years back in 2016, which I attribute completely 
to you and Theo <laughs> Epstein. Talk about uh, your time working with the Cubs. Well, first of all, I take zero credit for that, Chris. Um, you know, I'm, 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 well, I've been in baseball for 17 years. And this, as you said, is my 10th year with the Chicago Cubs. And my title is I'm coordinator of movement skills and Pilates. And a lot of the movement skills that I do are, are based in yoga, but really come from a, a depth of my multidisciplinary movement background. Um, and then I also run the Pilates program for the Cubs. But what I want to say is that I'm, I'm part of what's called a high performance team. And in that high performance team, we have strength and conditioning. We have medical, we have athletic trainers, we have skills coaches, hitting and pitching coaches. And, you know, I work as part of that team, which, you know, kind of going back to working with my golfers individually, which is why I feel it's so important to work with the skills coach, with the golf coach, as well as myself, because, you know, all great athletes have a team behind them. They don't do this on their own. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm, you know, very, very blessed to, you know, do the work that I love to do and help the guys and. You know, we have uh, we have some we have some changes in the in the front office now. We have great council now that's coming on. Um, I think it's going to be a very exciting year for the Chicago Cubs. Um, yeah, of course, 2016 was monumental, but you know, Chris, I'm I'm one spoke in a huge wheel of high performance. I would never be so presumptuous as to say, oh, it's my work that brought them to the World <laughs> Series in 105 years. <laughs> but it's a it's a it's a really it's a fun environment and. You know, the guys are great. And, um, but you know what? Just like the golfers that are listening, guys have injuries. You know, they have, they have long, they have, there's a lot of workloads. You know, we need to be adaptable and make changes for the playing season. And, you, and you know what? And it's, it's not different from, it's not that much different from golf. And, you know, I'm going to stay away here for a second with, with, Something that Terry was talking about, with I, which I think is really interesting, and I'm going to tie this between baseball and golf. When you look at the kinematic sequence of the hitter, the sequence is identical. The only difference is that in golf, the ball is on the ground, so the, the plane of attack is different in baseball and hitting as it is in golf. But the sequencing is identical. And Terry's talked about something that, we, that I talk about every single day which is the importance of learning how to use the ground. So in baseball, we do something, we, we, we do a lot of scientific testing. And one of the testing we do is what's called, we test for ground reaction forces. It's essentially how much effort can you put into the ground and how much, and how much power can you get from the ground coming up into your body. If you don't have the ability to create ground reaction forces, it's an immediate leak, leak in the kinematic sequence of your golf swing. It's the same thing in baseball. And so I'm, I'm sure you guys are all familiar with the kinematic sequence, right? So for those that aren't, expound okay. on that. Okay. So we know from three-dimensional motion analysis and, and, we, and at the Cubs, we use um, some very, very sophisticated um, motion capture data. Um, and it, it's in golf, they use very sophisticated motion capture data as well. But what we know is that efficiency is king. So in the golf swing, when you start to begin your, when you begin your takeaway, 
what should first fire is the pelvis rotates and it speeds up. And then the pelvis slows down and your T-spine, your trunk speeds up. And then that starts to slow down. And then the shoulders speed up and start to slow down. And then the club, you get to the top of your backswing. Now, if you think about your downswing, the efficient sequencing in the downswing should be the same thing. Whereas the first thing to fire is your hips. Then your hips slow down and your trunk fires, right? Then the trunk slows down, the arm, the shoulders fire, and then the shoulders slow down, and then the club face hits the ball. When you have inefficient sequencing in your kinematic sequence, you've come across swing flaws like coming over the top or chicken winging or you know what I'm saying. So, so you're losing efficiency and power. So when we look at the kinematic sequence, this is where I want to go to in terms of a conditioning perspective. It all starts with your feet and your ankle function. And if you have poor foot and ankle function, then you are losing your ability to access ground reaction forces and it becomes an immediate instant leak of power before, you know, as you start to begin your takeaway because you're not using the ground. Okay, so let's let's take that a step further, Catherine, because okay. as, we, as we need stronger feet and stronger ankle function in order to gain that, I had ankle mm-hmm. surgery just a couple of months ago, and I've really mm-hmm. learned how weak my ankles are. How do yeah. we strengthen those areas so that leak doesn't happen? Well, there's a lot of ways to do it. And um, I have to say that kind of like the Cubs foot and ankle function is one of my specialties because... It is also the foundation of all movement patterns in Pilates. Um, And so, so many ways that you can do it. So let's first start with what's called ankle dorsiflexion. So if you are sitting in your chair and you pull your toes back towards you, that's dorsiflexion. If you point your toes, that's plantar flexion, okay? So one of the exercises you could do is you could be kneeling um, what you, so in what's called a split stance. So let's say if you're on the ground, you're on your right knee and your left foot is facing forward and you're facing the wall, right? So you bring your left foot about eight inches off the wall and then you start to drive your left knee towards the wall. So where it's touching the wall. What you do is you're getting more dorsiflexion in your ankle mobility, okay? You can test that. So like one of the top tests that we do in baseball that I also do with all of my golfers is I test their ankle, their ankle mobility, both in dorsiflexion and plantar flexion. And then I also test, um, I I do what's called a gait assessment. So when I'm working with a client one-on-one, again, whether it's baseball or golf, I say, take off your shoes and let me see you walk. Because as your heel strikes the ground and your ability or inability to articulate through your whole foot as as you propel your body forward in gait tells me everything about your golf swing. Ironic, right? Yeah. Here's an example. If I'm watching someone walk and and I'm watching their heel strike and there's maybe like flat feet or their ankles prolapse in or they walk so much on the outside of their feet, which is called more of like supination. And then I'm looking up the chain of their body and their hips are not efficiently moving and propelling them forward. There's a pretty good chance that you sway in your golf swing. 
Wow. Okay. Because so, you're not having efficient, effective interior and, and I'm sorry, internal rotation, external rotation of your hips, which will show up when you walk. And if you can't do it when you walk, you certainly can't do it trying to create explosive power in under two seconds from a static position. Am I right? Yes. And that's so interesting that you say that because that's one of the problems I have in my golf swing is, is I tend to sway into the golf ball as opposed mm-hmm. to letting my hips do the rotation and, and kind of guide me through the swing. And it's interesting right. that you can tell that through watching people walk. I can. And so I'm going to ask you, Chris, is it your right ankle or left ankle? My right ankle. Okay, and your right hand, a golfer. Correct. You go. Yeah. I mean, that's it. That's it. Because it all starts in your feet and ankles. Um, there's many, many exercises I could talk about in terms of, you know, how to, um, how to not just create more mobility in your foot and ankle function, but also strengthen your feet and ankles. So this is what, you know, my degree is in chain reaction biomechanics and people are like, well, that sounds impressive, but I don't even know what that means. Basically what it means is that one of my degrees, because I have many degrees and levels of education, but one of my degrees in this chain reaction biomechanics means that I'm trained at looking at the body as a chain reaction. And it all starts in your feet. It also starts from your your cervical spine down. So you have to look at the body. So like, Chris, you know, like a slinky, you know, the toy is yes. slinky? Yes. Okay. Well, imagine if you're holding a slinky, okay? And 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 your if your feet are on your left hand in the slinky and your right hand is your head in the slinky and and there's dysfunction, let's say in the foot on the left side, you're not going to transfer energy through that slinky all the way up to your head because there's already dysfunction on the left side known as your feet and ankles. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I'm taking I'm taking the human body and I'm and I'm dialing it down into a slinky, which is kind of offensive, but you know, you get my point. <laughs> you get your point. <laughs> you get you get my point, right? Yeah. So um, so this is all the work that I do with my golfers when I work with them, and it's all the work that I do in in Major League Baseball. Catherine, let's let's kind of go at a little higher level because one of the overlooked parts of playing golf well is stretching mm-hmm. and warming up as we go into our rounds. And many times, you know, we're rushing to the golf course. We get there minutes before our tee time. We we check in at uh, the pro shop, hop into the golf cart drive down to the first tee, take a couple of practice swings and away we go. And then we wonder why we're playing so poorly for the first four or five holes. Talk to us. Right. What, what is something that we can do to warm up our bodies so that we can be in better position to start playing well from the get-go? Okay. Well, um, I'm going to out myself here, Chris, and say that I have done precisely what you just described. Which <laughs> we all is, have. <laughs> I have gone to the golf course and, you know, take a couple practice swings and off I go. By the way, I'm a, I'm a lifelong golfer. So, um, I, you know, I can, I can relate to people doing that even, even though I, even though I know better, I'm a human being, right, Chris? Yeah. But I think what, what I would suggest is you start out again from the ground and work your way up in your, in your, uh, pre-round mobility and stability session, it, it, you know, preparation to go play. So things like, just warming up the ankles, warming up the Achilles, 
Um, you can do, you know, if you're at the golf course, you're probably not going to get on the ground. So you could do what's called like a standing stork exercise. So I'm like, I'm in my office right now. So I'm going to stand up. If I stand up and let's say I'm holding on to the vertical stanchion of the, of the golf cart, I'm going to, so I'm balancing on my left leg, but I'm holding on to the golf cart. I'm going to take my right foot just below my kneecap, like on my calf. And I'm going to open my right leg like a clamshell and I'm going to close it and pull it across my body like a clamshell, right? So I'm going into external rotation and internal rotation of my hips. So that, so now we've got the foot and ankles warmed up. Now I'm warming up the hips. Okay. I might do a, you know, you know, in yoga, we call it a cat cow where you're quadruped, you're on your hands and knees and you arch your back like a, like a scared cat in Halloween. And then you push your back towards the ground like a, like the shape of a, like a sway back cow or a horse. Right. Yep. Right. You can do that standing. So I'm doing it standing right now. My feet are nice and wide. Um, I'm, I'm in a hip hinge. My hands are on my knees and I'm arching my, my lumbar spine and I'm pushing my mid back forward. I'm taking an inhale and then I'm going to exhale and I'm going to curl my back like a cat and I'm going to move and I'm going to try to get my shoulder blades to glide because you need to have good um, scapular mobility when you do that. And then I might, you know, I might just hold the club behind my head and do a hip hinge and maybe just do a very slow rotation right and left. So now what I've just described to you is foot ankle mobility, hip internal and external rotation, um, lumbar, lumbar, thoracic spine and scapular mobility. And some, and again, some more thoracic rotation. There's one other thing that I would add, Chris, which is you also, it's not just about the mobility aspect. It's also about the strength aspect. So, you know, when people kind of think about what I do, they think, oh, she just teaches stretching. I, I think from this short conversation we've already had, I don't teach stretching. So <laughs> another, no. another. All right. So another exercise that you would do, because you need to make sure that you can get into a proper hip hinge for your golf swing. So if you're balancing on your left leg and you've got the club in your right hand, you would take a deep bend in your left knee, bring your right leg up and you would hip hinge forward. And then you want to push your leg into the ground to come back up to standing. So you're hip hinging on the left side with your right leg up bend in your left knee, don't lock out your left leg and then push into the ground to bring yourself back up. Wow. So now we've got, now we've got a strength component and I want to just, can I share one more thing to warm up that I think is really interesting? Please. Okay. So using the ground, I would ask everybody that's listening to stand up. Okay. You're going to stand up. You're going to take your feet at about the width of whatever your address position would be, okay? And then I would have you sit as if you're, as if you're trying to sit back onto a chair, but you're obviously not gonna let your glutes touch the chair, right? So you sit back and then you think about what does the ground look like about a foot under your feet, okay? As you start to straighten your legs, Chris, you drive your whole lower half a foot into the ground as you start to straighten your legs. And then you pause for a moment. And then you go into this hip hinge again, okay? 
where it's if you're sitting back into a chair, so your knees are not over your toes, you should be able to see your toes when you bend your knees. And then you pause for a minute, Chris, and you think, okay, what does the ground look like two feet below my feet? And you take a big inhale. And when you exhale, you drive your lower half two feet into the ground. Now, simultaneously, you are dragging your feet apart without moving them as you start to straighten your legs. And then you do the same process thinking about like three feet below the ground. So you go one, two, three feet below the ground. You should, and then you get into your address position. You should feel such a deep connection into the ground that you can generate these ground reaction forces. Wow. So these just, what I just gave you what, five things, five, maybe six things to do that should take you five minutes. That the, just those five things can really help you prepare for your round. That's fantastic. Catherine, one more before I let you go. And you have an online certification program on your website. Talk about what it is and who it's for. <clears throat> so we have a yoga for golfers level one and level two online certification. It is for are interested in diving deeper into the biomechanics of the golf swing and the movement solutions that can help them play better. It gives them a deeper understanding of what they're trying to achieve. So it can be for the average golfer. It's for all types of movement specialists. It is for, you know, yoga instructors, fitness instructors. I actually have quite a few golf professionals who have gone through the certification because they're looking for a, a kind of a new, a new way that they can be looking at the body of their students. So it's for golf pros as well. Um, and again, that's on yogaforgolfers.com. And um, yeah, and, and you know, it's all online. It's done at your own pace. Um, it includes a 75 page training manual. And um, yeah, it's, it's um, believe it or not, I'll just share this really quickly, Chris. When I started this, over 20 years ago, everyone kind of thought I was crazy. And I probably was. But fast forward now, we have certified instructors in over 25 countries who are all helping people play better. You know, that, that's what I'm all about. So that's kind of it. Yeah, that's fantastic stuff, Catherine. So remind our listeners again, you talked about yoga for golfers. You've got human performance for sports.com. How can they also follow you on social media? So on social media, um, it, it's a little it's a little long, but if you hang in with me, I mostly post on Instagram, and it's it's the word human and then underscore performance or for f o r underscore sports. So it's human performance for sports with an underscore between each word. Um, I am on Facebook. It's Catherine 375. Um, I'm on Twitter at Roberts Yoga. And, uh, you know, you can also shoot me an email through the website. And, um, you know, if you have any questions, I'm happy to help. Um, I think, as I said, I think the, the, on, the online virtual program for someone that's looking for a very unique personalized experience is probably the best way to go. Um, and then we also have the instant downloads for people that just want to try it out and, you know, get going. But here's the thing, Chris, never stop moving. There you never go. stop moving. 
Catherine, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. You're always such a treat. And we learn so much every time you're a part of the show. I hope we get this privilege again soon. Oh, thank you so much, Chris. Appreciate you. Have a great day. You too, Catherine. That is the great Catherine Roberts, folks. Again, yogaforgolfers.com, humanperformanceforsports.com, at human underscore performance, underscore four, underscore sports, on Instagram, at Roberts Yogurt. Uh, yoga over on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling that thing these days. She is just so fantastic. And I've, I've checked out some of the videos and I, and I highly recommend them. Look, we, we all have something like we talked about early on in the segment. We got a shoulder, we got an ankle, we got a knee, whatever it is. Catherine is going to help you overcome that and be able to gain back some lost distance and lost enjoyment in your lives, right? There's nothing worse than playing and walking around in pain. Catherine can help you overcome those things and get back to enjoying the game of golf and back back to just enjoying life and moving. Like she said, never stop moving. Fantastic stuff. She's a wonderful individual. Can't thank her enough for her time tonight. I promise you we'll get her back on the show again much sooner this next time around. Okay, batting cleanup with me this week. Very unusual spot for Tom is going to be our resident director of instruction, Tom Patrick. But before I get to him, let's talk about our friends over at Squares Golf. And folks, do you sway in your off balance in your golf swing? You know what? It could be your shoes. A golf shoe needs structure to provide stability and reduce sway. How can you tell if your shoes lack structure and are hurting your game? If you can hold your shoes by the toe and heel and twist it, toss it. Squares was designed for the perfect balance of structure and comfort. Isn't it time you tried Squares? Try the new Speed Bolt at squares.com. That's S-Q-A-I-R-Z.com. Looking for the ultimate Myrtle Beach golf experience? Well, it's only a click away. Check out the two-play special at two of America's most awarded public golf courses, Caledonia Golf and Fish Club and True Blue Golf Club. They are low country masterpieces featuring two iconic Mike Strands designs. Play these two incredible courses for one great price. Visit CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com to learn more about the two-play special and book your tee time today. Again, that's CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com. All right, now next on the tee with me is the mayor of the PGA Merchandise Show, and I know because I saw it, and that is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patrick. Tom couldn't walk 10 feet at the show without being stopped by somebody wanting to say hello or say something to him, show him something. As you know, he is the director of player development at the Twin Eagles Club in Naples, Florida. He's also a 13-time Golf Magazine Top 100 teacher, a four-time PGA Teacher of the Year, three-time Golf Digest Best in State, including the current issue for December 2023 and this month of January 2024. And he is back and next on the tee with me. Hey, Mayor, how are you, my friend? Let's say, boy! <laughs> TP, how was the Chinese food, my friend? You know, Chris, I, I went to a Chinese restaurant tonight that came highly recommended. I'm a real Chinese food junkie. And as, as you know, we've discussed, there's no good Chinese food in Florida. So this, this place came highly recommended. It's the greatest. It's just like New York and blah, blah, blah. So I went after work by myself, sat down, and it was a solid C-. minus. Solid C minus. How disappointing that must be. It was unbelievable this morning. I, I I ran down there to eat to come back to to get on the show with you and 
and then got back on Immokalee Road in here in Naples, and there was a traffic accident, and it only took me an hour to go what would take about four minutes. So that wow. was really cool. I'm, I'm really I'm really, I'm really having a great night so far. So just, you know, here, we, here we go. Here we go, baby. And that had to, be, that had to you know, expand on your on your morning because I understand a little chilly in Naples, Florida this morning. How are you dealing with temperatures that start with the number four? Yeah, it's been a hell of a day. We started at 42 degrees this morning, bright and early, um, which really, pardon me, sucked. And uh, <laughs> had, a, had a pretty full day on the tee and then bad Chinese food and, and a traffic accident and traffic jam coming home. And, and it's just, it's been a, it's been an awesome day. Awesome. Yeah, I'm fine. So, Tom, as, as, as I said, you, we were down together at the PGA Merchandise Show last. We had dinner with our good friends from Kickpoint, which was fantastic, and as are their polo shirts and outerwear items that they've done for both of us. Please check out my Instagram page, at CT Mascaro, to see the great designs they did for me. But give me your overall impressions of the PGA Merchandise Show this year. You know, Chris, I, I spent so much time, truthfully, in is in meetings that I walked the floor not a whole lot. As you know, I was every time we tried to connect, I was somewhere else. Um, you know, the show the show really has lost its luster for me. Um, you know, and when the show was the show, as far as as far as I call it, you know, it was it was you know the industry. It was you know fellow golf professional, industry people, media. Uh, period, and it was packed. It was just, you know, it was you could you, you'd see every person you ever knew in your life in golf. Now, since a, an outside company has kind of taken it over from the PGA of America, you know, you see Grandma and Grandpa there, and, and Uncle Jed, and and and, and Ellie May, and everybody <laughs> else, and and you know, they're like, hey, can I try that driver? Can I buy something here? Can I, you know, and you just like, yeah, and I'm not knocking anybody who loves golf. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's not the PJ merchandise show anymore. It's it's a it's kind of a you know it's kind of a pardon me a shit show if you will. And and wow. if I didn't have, if I didn't yeah pretty strong I know. And if I didn't have to go for meetings and and I didn't see you know friends that I wanted to see in the in the business, um, truthfully I, I I probably wouldn't go anymore. And it's been probably I think it's thirty five years for me going to the show forty years going to the show and then. It used to be a real happening as far as golf was concerned, and it's it just doesn't have that vibe for me anymore. All right, so let's switch gears then. And um, we recently lost Jackie Burke Jr., and uh, God bless him, he lived to be 100 years old. I know you got to spend a little bit of time with Jackie over the years. Talk about who he was. Jack Burke was, um, you know, I, I can't even do it justice in words because he was an icon. He was. You know, as we know, he was a PGA cha- PGA Championship champion. He was a Masters champion, uh, Ryder Cup captain, Ryder Cup player. Uh, you know, many-time winner on the PGA Tour. And, and and after his playing days, he was a mentor to so many of us that taught the game, and and it was a coach to so many that played the game. Um, and Jackie was just incredibly commonsensical. He was just he always said the right thing at the right time. Um, you know, he he made you kind of feel a little silly sometimes because you, you overcomplicated it. He untangled it in about 30 seconds or less every time he had that. He just had that knack to kind of look at something going on in the golf string and say, you know, all you have to do is this and and, and you can do that. Right. And I go, well, yeah, I can do that. And, and you'd walk away going, what the hell didn't I think of that? You know, I mean, he was just so good at that and, and helped so many of us and, and was always there to help us. And, you know, help, I can't tell you how many tour players, leaned on him for advice and 
I can't tell you how many tour players went to him kind of secretly after they went to their quote unquote main coach and went to Jackie afterwards for validation of what was being said. And Jackie would take that information and again, untangle it and make it simpler and, and so much more doable. He just had that ability to make golf a lot easier than we make it day to day. And, you know, he's going to be so missed. So many of us thought so much of him. I mean, he, he, I can't tell you how many people he touched, you know, on, on both sides of the business, the playing side and the teaching and coaching side. Um, we lost somebody extremely, extremely special when we lost Jack Burke. Tom, switching gears a little bit. We've, we've had a couple of more defections of players going from the PGA Tour over to Live Golf. Terrell Hatton is now rumored to have got $63 million to go join John Rahm's team over there. Adrian Moronk, who last week was ranked number 39 in the world, currently number two on the DP World Tour. According to several publications, he is also signed on with Live. They keep picking off guys one or two at a time, waiting for this partnership thing to finally get resolved. What do you make of more top players taking the money and running? When you say change gears from going talking about Jackie Burke, talking about live, you are certainly changing gears. <laughs> um, going from, you know, going from, you know, the good guy to the bad guy in, in just one little segment here. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's what we said in the past, Chris, they're picking off players one after another. Now they're picking off a lot of low hanging fruit. And, and they're just kind of squeezing the PGA Tour to the point where they've got to do something in a partnership realm. Um, I just think that the end game is that the, the you know, PIF will at some point have a pretty strong controlling interest in the PGA Tour. I don't think it's, I don't think it's you know, any more than black and white now. I mean, they just got so many uh, pieces of the puzzle on their side of the, of the table. And there's so many more rumors floating around who's next and who's going to go next. And they're just waiting it out. And, and we, you and I both know financially they can wait it out a long time, an awful long time, a lot longer than the, the tour can. Um, and at some point, the tour is going to sit down at the table and, and, play, and play the game with them. Um, it's unfortunate. It's, it's not something that I wanted to see happen. I'm sure there's a lot, not that a, a lot of more of us, more traditionalists, want to see happen. But that's, I think that's where it's going. Tom, the European tour used to be a rival to me to the PGA tour, separately developing a lot of great players on the European side. But then Keith Pelly making the deal with the PGA tour where the top 10 players each year over on the DP world tour earn a PGA tour card. They get to come over here and play. So they deplete the top 10 players on the DP world tour year after year. Plus we've already talked about the John Roms, Adrian Moronks, Abraham answers, Paul Casey, Brendan Grace, Thomas Peters, and the, the Australian guys like Cam Smith and Mark Leishman. Those guys are already on now. They're over on live. It just, it feels like as, as Pelly exits the DP world tour, what he's leaving behind is essentially an international corn Ferry tour. It feels like he has taken that tour and, and from a rival to the PGA tour and everything that that tour used to be. And he's turned it into a minor league system. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I thought they came, you know, the last five years pre-live, I thought they came light years in terms of their level of play, their organization, their, their validation of players, um, the way they ran events, uh, the amount of exposure they were starting to get. They were really heading in right. There was a really positive direction that if we had kind of done some, some kind of a merger, which we which just talked about and to some degree has happened, that they'd really be healthy and we'd really be able to help them 
even be healthier and stronger. And he, as you said, that has now been depleted grossly with Liv. Liv's, Liv's probably hurt them almost, it's hard to believe this, almost more than they've hurt us. Um, and, and I agree with you, Chris. It, it is a glorified corn fairy tour now. I mean, it was the second strongest tour in the world. I think it's probably probably easily the third now and a distant third because I think the Corn Ferry Tour, if you looked at players and skills from top to bottom, I think the Corn Ferry Tour is probably ahead of them. Tom, since the last time we spoke here on the show, Nick Dunlap has done the unthinkable. He has gone out there as an amateur and won a PGA Tour event, and now he has declared that he is turning pro, went back to Alabama, said his goodbyes, made his announcement, and now he's going to be in the the field this week at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am over there. So get your thoughts. What, what do you think about what you saw from Nick Dunlap? Because it wasn't easy for him. Had a three-stroke lead going into the final round, gave it all back, but then showed some pretty good gumption to come back and, and actually go ahead and win that event. And now he's turning pro. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, first of all, I, I agree totally, Chris. You know, to go out there in the last round and in the position he was in as an amateur, as a college player, uh, and make a double bogey, birdie the very next hole, lose the lead, and then regain the lead, and then, you know, hit it way right in 18, kind of chop it out of there, hit a pretty pretty stellar pitch shot across that green long ways going towards a water hazard and then holding that six-footer. I mean, he had a lot of ways he could have given that up and spit the bit, and he did. Uh, not once, not twice, but three times, did not spit the bit in situations where it would have been very easy to do so. So. I thought the performance was incredibly impressive, uh, you know, incredibly impressive. I think more impressive than when we saw Mickelson win in Tucson. You know, I, I just thought it was really, really, you know, very mature uh, from one to eighteen on day on day four. Um, and as far as turning professional is concerned, how could you not? There's, you know, I mean, his value right now, you know, from a marketing standpoint, from a signing and deal standpoint is not going to get ever any better, no matter what he does going forward. If he stayed in school, you know, his sorry is pretty high right now as far as uh, being able to negotiate and whatever his value. So I, I'm not surprised that he's, he's turned. Um, you know, I, I think we've got to be very careful. We're so quick to anoint the next superstar. We've done that before and fallen on our face doing that so many times. Um, he's, he's obviously very talented. He had a great week. He obviously has incredible talent. He's proven it on the amateur stage as the U.S. amateur champion. And now he's, you know, he's, he's done it as an amateur playing against the best in the world. Um, but it, let's keep it in mind, it's one win. Um, we've had some youngsters win before. Um, let's let him breathe and give him some space. Yeah, so let's expand on that a little bit. If you were Nick Dunlap's coach, I mean, expectations now are going to be high. How do you take a kid like that who has done the unthinkable and winning as an amateur and now turning pro and now people are going to be looking at him. They're going to have expectations for what he should be or how often he should win or where he should be in the top 10 on, you know, on a regular basis. How do you coach a young kid who was just a sophomore at Alabama and kind of ground him and keep his head on right? Well, I, I think it goes, always goes around to surrounding the support staff. I mean, it looks, Look, and I don't know anything about him personally, Chris, but it looks like his parents are very much involved. They look like they're solid. And 
There's a great relationship there. He, he works with a sports psychologist named Brett McCabe, who's one of the very best in the business, who's good, very good at what he does. Um, you know, he, he himself seems very mature. Um, so I think he's got some checks and balances in place that are pretty solid. Um, but again, it, it's, a, it's a whole different ballgame. I mean, as well as these kids are prepared, as big time as college golf is now, as much as we develop youngsters at a very early age to play very, very high-quality world-class golf, it's still the biggest stage in the world. It's the PGA Tour. So, like I said, you know, give him some space and let him breathe. Um, his team and he will have to keep himself grounded uh, and, and you know, kind of keep the, the ship going down the middle of the, of the canal and not bumping into any rocks in the sidelines. Um, but he seems solid to me. He seems very solid. And, and you know, we, we've seen this happen before where we, we anointed somebody just a little bit too soon. Um, but, you know, only time's going to tell. Who knows? I mean, it, is he a one-hit wonder? I don't think he is. Um, but I also don't think he's Jack Nicklaus or Tiger Woods. So um, we'll see. Time will tell. Tom, someone who else too showed a lot of gumption over this past weekend over on the LPGA tour was Nellie Corda. She went into the final round. She had a four stroke lead over Lydia Ko, and Ko started to put the pressure on her as we got into the back nine. And all of a sudden, Nellie Corda gives up the lead by going bogey, double bogey, bogey on 14, 15, and 16. Matches Ko with an eagle on 17, then needs a birdie on 18 to send this thing into a playoff. She makes that birdie and then goes on to win in a playoff. So many times you could see a player kind of go into the tank, right? If you go bogey, double bogey, bogey to give up the lead, and now suddenly you're losing and you see your playing companion make an eagle on 17, boy, you could really kind of you know, throw in the towel and pack up and go home. She didn't do that. Talk about from a mental perspective and for the players that you coach, how do you keep them from doing that? How do you keep them from going into the tank when they've given it all away and instead of dying, actually, you know, coming back, having the strength and in the, in the mental strength to go ahead and do what they need to do to come back from that and still win. I don't, I don't keep them from doing anything because I can't walk out in the middle of 16 fairway and give them advice. So at that point, they're, they're either in control of their emotions, able to kind of right the ship or they're not. And it's great champions do that. We've seen, We've seen some great players, you know, get a little sideways and then, and then, you know, rally, rally the troops. What she did there was really impressive. Again, we we're talking about Nick Dunlap. Now let's talk about Corda. I mean, to have that kind of a three hole slide, not a one hole slide, not a two hole slide, but a three hole slide, then make Eagle and birdie to get herself back into a playoff and then win. That's really special. That's, that's a special talent. That's a special mindset. You know, let, let's look at her DNA, too. Her father and her mother are both world-class athletes. Her sister's a world-class athlete. Her brother's a world-class athlete. There's some pretty great DNA right there. Um, you know, we've seen very special players do very special things in comeback situations, and we've seen some really fine players really spit the bit. We saw our friend, you know, Jordan Spieth spit the bit on, on 12 at Augusta. We saw, saw Molinari spit the bit on 12 at Augusta when they seem so in control of the situation. We saw Rory hit a tee shot on 10 of Augusta that, that, you know, probably looked like something you would do, Chris. But, I mean, you know. <laughs> Thank you for that. It's okay. I thought I'd throw that in there. But, I mean, 
you know, those are really world-class players that hit some god-awful shots and did not come back from that. So when someone like Corda does what she did, that is a really special talent, a really special control mechanism uh, and a belief system that says, you know what, this is not over yet. I'm, I'm, I'm still alive. You know, let's keep going. Speaking of Rory and kind of going back to the whole live thing and the guy that is again, again, back to live. the guy that has really done it about face. I don't know if you saw, but uh, earlier he talked about how um, those guys, if they want to come back, they should be allowed to come back. No penalties, no nothing. We should be allowed to come back and play on the PGA tour. Rory has really gone back on just about everything he said. And that's what's, that's what's so frustrating, Tom. We've talked about this with John Rahm. We've talked about this with other people. But guys that have said one thing about Liv and taken a really hard stance have now gone the opposite. You know, they've done a 180 on us. And now Rory has been doing a little bit more of that over the fall and over the you know November, December time frame. He's taken a different viewpoint on this stuff. And now to the point where he said guys should be able to come back and play on the PGA Tour if they want to. What do you think? Should they? Uh, that's a that's a question. Yeah, that's a question. Should they be able to? You you know what I think. First of all, are as, they dead as, to you? As a sixty five year old golf professional who loves the game more than almost anything on the planet, exception of my wife and my dog. Okay, John Rahm and Rory McIlroy can eat shit and bark at the moon, as far as I'm concerned. I mean <laughs> that that I'm I'm done. I mean they are so hypocritical. John Rahm, let's let's replay that tape one more time of Rahm, John Rahm. You know, telling how telling us how the live was not special to him about legacy, about the PGA Tour, about playing for championships. Let's play that tape over and over again in his face. And Rory McIlroy, you know what he is? He's a he's a little hurt puppy dog because he he got called out a little bit and he got you know you know hung out to dry by Jay Monahan. So now he's gonna he's gonna take his toys and go somewhere else with his opinion. You can have him. You can have both of those guys. And and as far you know, I, Chris, I'm telling you, it, it's gonna it's really hard for me right now, really hard for me to watch the PJ tour and really enjoy it and embrace it. Uh, there are certainly still guys out there I like to watch play the game, but it, it it's it, it really feels tainted to me right now uh, in so many different ways. Um, I mean, I'm excited about Augusta coming up, and beyond that, I'm not really excited about much in professional golf. So. If you look at where the game is, if all of a sudden the strategic sports group, that other group of professional sports owners that are going to inject, people are talking about they're going to bring $3 billion and inject it into the PGA Tour. If the tour rejected the PIF and lived and said, you know what? These guys are going to be our partners. They're going to help us make this game profitable. They're going to help us with all of the prize money and that sort of thing. We are not going to do anything with you, PIF, live tour. Do you feel better about it? Do you, does it become less tainted at that point because it stayed self-contained, if you will, or that partnership never happened? They're going to go a different direction? Or is this because we've been through all of this now for what has been two years, essentially, has it really lost its luster for you? It's tainted for sure. I would feel better about that than PIF, certainly. But it, it goes back right now to quality of field, too, Chris. I mean... We're going to be, we're still going to, if that happens, we're still going to be missing a lot of players. We haven't answered the question yet about do they get back in? How do they get back in? Do they, do they even want to get back in? And if they get back in, you know, what's the formula? So there's still a lot of unanswered questions on that side. 
but I would certainly feel better about that group than than than, than PIF for sure. Um, but I'm I still feel like it's it's damaged goods. I still feel like it's it's it'll never be the same for me again ever. I don't think it will ever. There's just there's just a lot of scar tissue for me, and you know we still got the whole Jay Monahan thing hanging out there. It, you know, the whole elevated event thing and how the younger guys make their way in. And it's it's just too much of a clusterfuck for me, to, to be honest with you. What about the the idea that these guys truly become what they what we've said? They what wait, what I think what they thought they were all all this time was independent contractors. What if it was just wide open and those guys could decide, hey, this week I'm going to play on the PGA Tour. Hey, next week, these guys are going over to Spain on the live tour. I want to go over there and play. Or, hey, this this is going to be down in South Africa or down in down in Australia. I want to go play over there because I've never played there before. What if they truly were free to decide, hey, go play wherever you want? No, thanks. How do you feel about that? No, thank you. No? No good? No, no thanks. No, thanks. Wow, you're I, want, I, want, I want nothing to do. Zero. I said it before to you. I've said it off air. I've said it on air. I'll say it again, and I'll stay. I'll, st- I'll keep saying it. I want nothing to do with live zero. Nothing. All right. Nothing. One more before I let you go. Let's let's end on a happier note. We know now who is going to be playing in the Super Bowl. We know it's the Chiefs and the 49ers. My condolences oh. to Detroit Lions fans. I was pulling for you. I'm sorry your head coach went all John Wayne on you. It cost you your first oh, opportunity no. to play in a Super Bowl. But TP, who do you like? Who's it going to be? Is Patrick Mahomes get another ring, or does uh, Brock Purdy really have a uh, a nice bow on the Cinderella story? You know, I, I'm I'm always big on the Cinderella story. You know, <laughs> that that was me as a golfer. You know, so I'm always pulling for the underdog. But uh, the Brock Purdy story, I just can't, I can't not love that story. I mean, can you imagine the last person picked in the draft? is now the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers and is going to play in the Super Bowl. I mean, just think about that. I mean, Pat Mahomes is like Superman. He, you know, everybody's anointed him as the next, you know, the next coming of Jesus. And the guy on the other side was the last person taken in the draft, at Mr. Irrelevant. It, it's just, it distorted. And, and I, you got to love Christian McCaffrey. You know, I, you know, I've, and the only thing I struggle with as far as picking something or siding with somebody is I'm a big Andy Reid fan, you know, and and you got to love Andy Reid. But, you know, I, I don't really have – I go back and forth. I don't – obviously, you and I don't have, don't have any skin in the game. Our guys are playing – are making tea times right now. So it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, there's so many great storylines there. I mean, Mahomes and Kelsey in that last game were, were phenomenal. Uh, you know, Reed always comes up with a great game plan. Um, it, it's, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a fun watch. I just hope like so many of these Super Bowls in the past, I hope it's just not a, a dud some way, one way or the other. I hope it's a, you know, come down to the last minute of the game. Something crazy happens that, you know, is, is unforgettable. But, uh, if you made me pick, if you made me pick something, I'm probably going with the 49ers. I'm, Mahomes kind of bugs me a little bit. I think he's a little bit, a little bit too much of a punk for me. Um, Ooh. Yeah, I, I got, I got to go. Look at you with I, all I, kinds of strong words tonight. The, yeah, the Chinese I, food has really got, got you yeah, going. That, that C minus Chinese restaurant really pissed me off. 
really good <laughs> so maybe I'm being, maybe I'm being a little too harsh today, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go 49ers. All right. Before I let you go, my friend, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with you on your website. And and hey, for folks that can't get down to Naples, Florida, how can they get on V1 and get Tom Patrick to make improvements in their golf swing? You do this every week, and I'm, every other week, I'm I do. Gonna do I'm going to do this to you tonight. It doesn't matter. It's all about you, my man. This is the greatest oh. podcast on golf. It's a pleasure to be on there with you. It was great to see you last week. I, I still think you should have gone with the linguine and white clam sauce. The second oh. but, but listen, this show is a platform for so many of us. You give us such an opportunity. Uh, if they want to find me, they can find me here every other Tuesday at 8 o'clock with you. That's, that's, my, uh, that's my on-air home with you, buddy. I appreciate you. CP, take care, my friend. I are, I'm already looking forward to next time. You kidding me? We, we just got done. I got to see you last week. Now I got to go two weeks without without a Tom Patrick. You know, what am I going to do? Well, you know, I'm, I'm used to you well, spoiled you know. me. I got I got three weeks in a row. Now I got to wait two weeks. Dude, dude, 75 south. <laughs> 75 south. Point good the card downhill. There you go. Take care, Thanks, my friend. Bro. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, buddy. Folks, that is the great Tom Patrick. You can find him at online, tompatry.com. You can find him at Tom Patrick Golf on, uh, on uh, Instagram. He's also on Facebook. Uh, like, like I've said a million times, a, a finer individual you will not find in, in this game or anywhere in life. I, I love that guy. He has been so good to me. And uh, his instruction is top notch. Hey, look, there's a reason why he was the mayor at the PGA Merchandise Show. And people were looking for him every 10 feet to, to talk to him, see how he's doing and that sort of thing. That's because he's just one of the best all-time people on the planet, let alone golf instructors. All right, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks again go out to Tom Patrick, Keith Jarvis, Terry Hashimoto, and Catherine Roberts for joining me this week. Scheduled to join me here next week are my long-lost cousin and PGA professional, John Mascari, who I also saw at the PGA Merchandise Show for a little bit. He'll be back as part of the show. Champions Tour Pro Scott McCarron will be back. It is always a huge thrill to get to spend some time with Scott. Former PGA Tour Pro, now a top instructor in our game, Rick Fair, will be back, as will another one of the top instructors in our game, Todd Kolb. So we're going to have a lot of fun next week, folks. I hope you'll come back, join us, and be a part of the show with us. You can find this show available as a podcast. That's about anywhere you get your podcast content. In particular, we're out there on TribLive.com and the Pittsburgh Tribune review site. Just go to TribLive.com, click on sports. You're going to find us right there on the homepage of the sports section. You can also then click on podcast and find all of the shows available for you free there. You can also find the show on Good Pods, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audioboom, Player.fm, pretty much like I say, anywhere you get your podcast content. We're probably on that site as well. Just type in next on the T in the search bar. You'll find us right there for you. And as always, my thanks to the folks over at Good Pods for making this show one of their recommended podcasts and a staff pick. Please download their free app and stream your favorite podcast on your favorite device right there on Good Pods. But most of all, my sincere thanks go out as always to all of you for being the greatest supporters in the history of podcasts. I appreciate you all so very, very much. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.